0: Welcome to Planet Pod, the podcast for everyone who cares about the planet. Hello and welcome to Planet Pod with me Amanda Carpenter and today we're talking about how we fell out of love with plastic. It's been over a year since Blue Planet 2 shook us to the core with the technicolor images of turtles in plastic sea nets and albatrosses feeding plastic polystyrene bits to their chicks and the whole world seemed to have woken up to the horror of plastic in the oceans, on the beaches, in our streets, streams and rivers. But today we're really going to explore whether anything has actually really changed. Is the love affair with single plastic um, over? Is this a romance that none of us really approved of that has yet to come to an end? And I'm joined for this discussion and debate to try and unpick reality, fact and fiction and dispel some of the myths by my two guests. I have Laura Curricon from TerraCycle and Saskia Restrick from Hubbub. Hello, welcome both of you, and thanks for coming. Um, So it's been a really interesting 12 months since Blue Planet 2 and I think most of us would see, if we looked around our immediate friends and family in the places that we work, there has been some changes in behaviour, there have been some reductions in plastic straws, plastic single use water bottles, people coming to work with uh, keep cups and reusable plastic bottles. But, but I'm not sure we've really shifted the dial as far as we need it to have done, have we? So, so Saskia, could I ask you to, to tell us a little bit about how it feels from Hubbub's point of view? Because you've been working in the field of plastic and plastic fishing and plastic reduction for a long time. Um, what's your perception of where we've got to now?
1: Hello, and nice to be here. Well, first of all, I think there's a, there's a huge shift uh, in public perception, absolutely, as you've said. Um, and that is translating to some shifts in behaviour we've seen. Use of um, reuse cups, keep cups, and the like in coffee chains go from around sort of two percent up to more like five percent, which means there are obviously hundreds um, of thousands, millions of cups being used every day, uh, disposable cups. Um, so that's um, not such a great thing. Um, and the trend for eating and drinking on the go is increasing. Um, There's no sign of people slowing down and sitting and drinking in, which would be nice, but that that doesn't seem to be happening. Um, So there's definitely a a huge issue with um, single-use items, whatever they may may be made from. Um, On the more positive side, something that we've really seen is that sometimes the awareness about plastic has led to a shift in consciousness about other environmental issues, and that once people have started using their, their reusable water bottle or their Keep Cup, it's, it's caused them to, to act as a catalyst and to think more about hmm, perhaps I can you know, look at the amount of food waste I'm creating or save energy in my home in other ways. And, it, and so we have seen some areas where that's led to a sort of greater environmental consciousness, which is, which is fantastic. Um, and, and lastly, I think there's also been an increase from the public's point of view in their expectation of what companies ought and are do, to be doing. Um, And I think companies are seeing that and responding to that. Um, And so I think from our point of view, we would just simply hope that that pressure uh, continues and that awareness continues and that the the commitments um, and the goals and the targets, which sound fantastic, actually turn into something and really do um, form a lasting shift rather than a sort of a a flash-in-the-pan response to an incredible TV programme.
0: Yeah. But but in terms of how we measure some of this stuff, I mean, we can only... We can only really assess the effect and the, the change in behaviour by, by some, having some hard metrics and measures. And when you look at some of the measures that are still out there, I mean the recent government report about waste for example. We're still um, sending enormous amounts of, of plastic packaging to, to, to waste recycling and not only to waste recycling, actually to landfill and some of that's ending up in the ocean. So, so the things that we've done, I mean, you know, the re- reuse, um, reusable coffee cups, for example. I mean, I know that that's been one of Hubbub's campaigns and you've had a lot of success. But but that's it's still only scratching the surface, isn't it? And we're still putting, you know, billions and billions and billions of plastic items into the waste every year. And I think in twenty sixteen Coke alone produced one billion single use plastic bottles for Coca Cola. So so do you feel that we've actually made any real inroads into this or is it very much that kind of you know if you're in an urban metropolitan area you see changes in behavior because people are very conscious certainly places like London and there's the one one list campaign that, that the mayor is promoting to actually reduce single-use plastic bottles in and around London is it is it just the tip of the iceberg because that is my sense is that that when we' drill down into those numbers we're talking about you know a fraction of the population and a fraction of the percentage of plastic. Being recycled or not even being
1: burnt, bought, bought yeah. in the first place. I, no, I think I think I absolutely agree with you that um, the, that the noise can mask the fact that it's still not enough by such a long way has been done. Um, and partly that's around what's available and what where the trends are going in terms of, of what, what what companies think customers want and what customers think companies can offer them. And I think there's a huge amount to be done on both sides of the equation there. To, to really look at where plastic is genuinely needed or is genuinely the best environmental option for packaging or other things.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mention um, companies and, and large corporations because my perception is that very often the companies that make the most noise and they talk about having a, you know, a plan a, a plan A and, and, and you know, um, putting in a plastic bag charge, which of course is mandatory, you look along their shelves and still there are things heavily packaged in plastic and a lot of that plastic is not recycled because there isn't the capacity to recycle it in the first place. There just aren't enough plastic recycling plants, there isn't a wood enough collection system. So, so this sense that while we need to encourage people to change behaviour, I think there's a gap somewhere there, isn't there, in the big corporations and also around legislation. We're not doing enough to actually to, to put in the changes we need quickly
1: enough and substantially enough. Absolutely, and I think um, the recycling infrastructure is a huge problem um, since the the ban in China on, on taking um, foreign recyclet, then obviously a lot of people who have been merrily collecting plastics are no longer able to, to get rid of it. So there's a huge amount that needs to be done in this country to, to, to build up our own capacity to recycle in the UK um, and to treat that waste as a resource and something that can be turned into something useful. Um, and I think there, there's a huge opportunity to do that. It doesn't seem to be happening, and, and I think that's where government could definitely step in and really give... Uh, the economy the recycling economy a boost yeah. um, in in this country, uh, and I think as companies are looking at things whether they 're looking at them fast enough or with enough kind of willpower a- across their board i don 't know um, I think some are some are doing better than others there is, there are lots of great commitments, and I think if everyone sort of works together. I think if the companies talked to each other, shared their learnings, they're all facing the same packaging problems. They're all facing the same issue in terms of customers not responding well to cloudy bottles that have, you know, the the, the, um, recycled plastic content. That's an issue for everyone. And actually, if people did come together, work together, if government set a level playing field, if people actually trusted customers and talked to them Mm. um, and explained this bottle is cloudy because it's full of recycled plastic, which is great. Then I think we could make a bit more progress than has been made, but but yes, I, I absolutely agree. I think progress is far too slow, um, and the idea that people can solve it by themselves just having one um, reused water bottle is, is 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 not not fair to put all that onus on the customer, and and, and it's not realistic.
0: No, and I think you're right. We we and we will talk about this in a moment. I want legislation and tax, but 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 right, Laura, I just wanted to bring you in because obviously you're coming at it from a completely different perspective. So um, my sense is some of the work that you're doing at TerraCycle, it's not really about um, recycling it's actually about you know proper reuse isn't it so um, you've been here a lot longer than, than people realize is it in the UK for 10 years is that right yeah it's our 10th anniversary
2: so we started in 2009 uh, expanding uh, first in the UK and we now operate in 12 markets across Europe Um, so the mission of our company really is to eliminate the idea of waste which is a big statement Um, I feel we're getting there especially in the past uh, six months there's been Uh, an increase of uh, focus on from consumers as we just discussed but also from companies and also from governments actually Um, so initially we look at how to make everything recyclable Um, so we work with brand uh, partners um, to really look at the packaging in the first place Um, the first advice we give them is please make packaging that are recyclable by design within the existing infrastructures. That's always the first message. Uh, when it's not possible or it's going to take time to do so, then we provide solution for their consumers so they can collect and recycle what we call the hard to recycle. So anything from uh, flexible packaging, biscuit wrappers, pens, um, cigarette waste, and so on. And we work with households, we work with councils, we work with cities sometimes to provide uh, a turnkey solution to recycle. Uh, we also work uh, with these brands to incentivize people in doing so. So we, uh, every time someone sends us a shipment of, of pens for recycle or, or Walkers crisp back to to recycle, they get points. They can redeem into char- into into money sorry for charities Um, and I think it's very important to see the uh, behaviour change uh, and the habits because once you start using a a reusable coffee cup or a reusable water bottle you'll never you'll never go back to disposable and I think that's very powerful I don't think it's enough but I think it's really good start from a behavioral um, behavioral uh, change Um, so then in terms of reuse yes when we looked at recycling uh, we're like great there there is innovation missing in the area of recycling and as a company that's our mission is to enable brand owners to do more to innovate to provide more solutions but recycling is we need to do more but it's a band-aid so you know it's if your bathroom is is flooding um, and you left the, the tap open, the first thing you're gonna do you enter your bathroom and you're gonna you're gonna turn off the tap. Uh, we th- we need to do the same thing. The real problem about waste pollution is single use plastic. Is the the way we we make product, we consume product, and we dispose of products. Hence, why uh, recently we looked into reuse models, um, and we're launching an initiative called Loop. Um, which is a, a e-commerce platform. Uh, it's it's really rebooting the deposit scheme um, mm-hmm. uh, and the idea of the milkman as it existed in the fifties, where uh, through this platform you'll be able as a consumer to buy all the products you can buy today in a normal retail store, but they will be delivered into reusable packaging. Uh, you put a small deposit against each packaging that you can get back anytime you want to switch brands um, or stop um, uh, buying, um, and then. And we clean uh, all the products so they are easily returned to us. We clean them. We send them to our brand partners to refill them. Um, so then the idea is that one packaging can be reused a hundred of time within a closed-loop system. So hence, uh, no uh, pollution uh, linked to single-use plastic or materials.
0: That's a great system. So that would be, you know, take uh, something, an everyday item that, like shampoo. I mean, we can all stop using, you know, liquid soap, which is an abhorrence anyway, Um, uh, but but shampoo is difficult, and lots of us do not want to wash our hair with a a bar of soap. Um, I know they're out there, but lots of us don't want to do that. So, shampoo. So, I can buy my shampoo in the store as normal, and then I can send my bottle to you to be refilled and delivered back, or do you just take the bottle and reuse it for someone else and I would buy a new one. Is that How does that work?
2: So uh, <clears throat> shampoo bottle is a good example actually because <clears throat> what we would like to do with this platform is to create um, convenience and to create the same benefit as the disposable consumption model, because disposable is great because it's cheap and it's convenience. So it's how can we put together a service that brings the same benefit, but that is a durable uh, service. So the way it worked for for you, um, so. Um, before the end of the year, you'll be able to access the service in London first before expanding uh, to the UK with our retail partner, which is Tesco on this uh, platform. So you'll be able to order your shopping online. You'll receive um, the products, for example, your shampoo bottle and other products in a durable reusable uh, tote bag, a loop tote bag that you can fold and keep. You use your product as usual. So you will notice that the packaging will be different Uh, they are more durable so therefore you will not really see a lot of plastic or more sturdy and reusable plastic there will be a lot of aluminium uh, glass products Um, so therefore they're also going to be more premium and nicer for you to use and that's where we think we also gonna convince people to join in because the products are attractive, they're durable, they're nice. Um, I want to have them, I prefer having them than my shampoo bottle in plastic that's gonna Mm -hmm. get all dirty after two weeks in my bathroom. So this way we hope we're gonna convince more people to switch to a durable lifestyle. Um, so you use the, the, the products, and then instead of putting them in your bin or your recycling bin, you put them back in the loop tote bag, and then you ask for a pickup, and then the driver comes and pick up the bag, send it to our facilities, and that's where we clean. And then we work with our brand partners to refill uh, the packaging, and then they go back into the loop.
0: So how do you get them back? They're delivered back to your door?
2: So you get them back either through uh, the loop platform, through a delivery service, or um, um, once we are integrated within the retailers environment, uh, you can actually, for example, if you shop at Tesco, you'll be able to buy the durable product loop and maybe also disposable product if uh, you know we don't have all the products yet when we launch. So uh, you can use the same uh, delivery service as the, the one that um, is with with Tesco today the idea being about optimization not creating new logistics routes but okay so using, using existing, existing distribution routes, uh, routes, so to you're not, not adding the impact to,
0: of transport yeah, yes you're not adding carbon in terms of yeah. the miles and things well now I guess people listening would say that's fantastic but I live you know in the middle of a small rural area that's never going to work for me um you know I'm, I don't live in London you know it's going to be years before this comes out to my community you know, so I mean, what's the kind of planned rollout? Because it, it, that sounds like a fabulous scheme, but but for people who are not living in central London, yes, are they so years we, to wait before they can have this recycling
2: reuse no, <laughs> process? You, no, no, no. Um, so we start. We need to start somewhere. So we start uh, in Paris, New York, and then London before the end of the year. And then the goal is to expand uh, as quickly as possible, so everyone can access uh, a durable alternative. Um, so, and uh, to do so, we work closely with existing retailers so they can easily integrate this durable supply chain within the existing environment. Um, you might have seen the announcement we've done at the World Economic Forum about three weeks ago. We have twenty five uh, companies who are already, uh, within the loop um, uh, platform um, and big names, um, Danone, Procter & Gamble, uh, PepsiCo and so on. Um, and they want to expand very quickly. Um, so, you know, and it's it's also a big message out, I think, because there's gonna be investments and there's always been investment from these brands and these companies into a reusable model. It's about rethinking the way they they produce and you know we ask them to refill products that's what some of them used to do in the 50s but it's actually a big switchback yeah um so we don't want that to be just a small scale pilot we're really building an engine for retailers to move from disposable to durable
0: yeah i can see that there's a need for incentive um and i and i guess that's really important but but do you think there's a role for, for for taxation and legislation here? Because, you know, if you look at some of the targets that have been set, I mean, RAP, for example, have set up their kind of old 2025 initiative commitment. And they've said they'll give everybody 10 years to achieve a 20% reduction in waste. I mean, 10 years for 20%? I mean, we're already getting rid of something like 16 million plastic bottles every day going into landfill it's not enough is it it's not enough and it's not quick enough so so is there a role for for um you know we've got carrot in terms of incentives and investment and potential money to be made in the system by large retailers and manufacturers is there a role for taxation is there a role for legislation do you think yeah i think there is uh i agree
2: that uh it might not be enough are quick enough. Um, I think it's about also um, seeing how the government can encourage other way of consuming and I think deposit schemes, reuse initiative, um, there should be more of a spotlight on these kind of projects. Um, it's it's a complex, very complex issue because you're looking at the entire supply chain. So it's about everyone working all together, then I think, yes, the targets needs to be more aggressive. I definitely agree. Um, but it's also sometimes shifting a, a bit and, and rethinking really the way, where the problem comes from. The problem comes from disposable products. That's where it comes from, um, you know, in the 50s and the 60s and before that, we didn't have this issue. Um, so I think that that's, that's what we want to promote as a company mm-hmm. is, There are things you can do now, but also rethink the way uh, the supply chain works. We we really think, we hope that, um, you know, a model like Loop and other uh, reusable initiatives can scale up quickly. I think consumers are ready. I
0: think companies are ready. Um, Yeah, I think uh, consumers are definitely ready, aren't they? I mean, um, you know, tax, the plastic bag tax, it's been successful, hasn't it, Saskia? It's worked, and as a result of it, you know, hubbub of... are, are now kind of custodians of this fabulous £1 million scheme from Waitrose.
1: Absolutely, yes. Uh, the Million Pound Challenge uh, was set up by Waitrose and Partners to um, as, as a great way of using that 5p plastic bag charge to support innovative, impactful projects that tackle plastic pollution. And um, and we're hoping to identify all sorts of things that, that perhaps we haven't thought of and new ideas because we know there's a huge groundswell of people um, who are, are doing their best to tackle plastic pollution in a myriad of ways, whether it's research or sort of practical on-the-ground projects. So there's a huge amount of, of, of action and energy um, and appetite and, th- and that's exactly what we're trying to support. So um, what is the like. Million Pound Challenge for people who don't know? It's a, it's a fund that you can apply to? Exactly, yes. We're welcoming applications from charities, social enterprises, community interest companies, academic bodies, schools and colleges. Um, And the criteria in terms of the actual projects are very broad and deliberately so because we know there are huge numbers of different types of projects. We can't envisage them all. Um, so we really want to see what's out there um, and we'll be judging them really on, on what kind of impact they can have um, uh, what what difference they can make um, that's, that would be the, the criteria um, applications open at the moment until uh, 24th of February um, so, still so it's to quite pass. a
0: speedy turnaround wasn't it because it was only a not, yes. announced a, yeah. a few weeks ago that's right so this is for existing projects this won't be for new projects So some of
1: them might be new um, and certainly we've had a huge number of um, expressions of interest huge number of inquiries. Uh, and some of them are looking to set them up, a lot of them they've had ideas that they've been considering for a while and this is giving them sort of the oomph to, to try and set it up, but absolutely a lot of them are either existing projects or existing organisations who are seeing this fund as a, potentially a way to ramp up existing activities or roll out an idea that they've been mulling for a while but haven't had the funds to, um, to implement.
0: So the, the, the 5p plastic bag tax was a kind of discretionary tax, wasn't it? I mean, you could have chosen not to take a plastic bag, yes. therefore you wouldn't have had the tax. Yes. Do, what do you think the role is for, 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 for you know, not if you like, non-discretionary tax or actual you know tax on everyday items? So if we yeah. choose to buy an item in a supermarket that's got plastic on it, we're going to pay 5 or 10 pence yeah. more than if we choose to buy a loose item. I mean, is there a role for that? I mean, there it, definitely is a role it be for taxation. mandatory?
1: And I think one of the things that, that um, we need to be very careful of is sort of knee-jerk reactions. And I think something like the um, the government's push away from diesel because of the CO2 emissions that were less with diesel cars, obviously the huge unintended consequence of a rise in air pollution linked to diesel cars. So we have to be very careful with any taxation. As you said earlier, Laura, it's very, very complex. And we need to be really sure that the taxation or, or any sort of legislative um, instrument is very carefully thought through to make sure there aren't those unintended consequences. Sometimes it might be that plastic actually is the best environmental solution to package something. Um, there's a reason that it is so so ubiquitous. I think we definitely have got to a point where it is far, far too too prevalent and have become a very easy answer and we've got used to the convenience of it. And that's, I think, where some really well thought through um, legislation and tax could be uh, have a huge role to play in, in shifting things and creating a level playing field for, for companies to, to to look very carefully through their supply chain and, and, and offer us more alternatives. It's
0: got to come from both government policy legislation and from large business, hasn't it? Yes. It's got to come from suppliers because we as consumers can only do so much. I mean, you can spend an awful lot of your day working out how to avoid plastic or how to avoid something that's harmful in the environment, you know, but and it is so complex, it's very and it's hard very for consumers complex. to know
1: actually what the better alternative yeah. is, because sometimes what seems like, oh, it's not got plastic in it, actually it might have a higher environmental impact in other ways. So again, it's putting a lot of expectation on consumers to be able to sort of unpick all of that complexity. And we
0: will only ever be scratching the surface on yeah. this, won't we? Because, I mean, there will always be somebody for whom it's not an economic um, you know, reality to be able to avoid plastic, or who just doesn't have the choices. Um, and so can't make those decisions about where to shop or, or how to consume products. So, so we've really got to put far more pressure on government and manufacturers Absolutely. to do something, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. You know? And and what's our timescale for this? I mean, how how quickly can we get this? Cause, I mean, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, a year on from Blue Planet, we're all fabulous. We're not using water bottles, but but we haven't made enough progress, and it's very high in consumer consciousness at the moment. Goodness knows what will happen as as the months pan out, and perhaps European legislation changes if we if we do exit the European Union. So, what's our timescale? How quickly should we be making change? And how quickly,
1: realistically, can we make change? <laughs> two very different questions. <laughs> I, I want to say yesterday, <laughs> but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so so, should we be setting targets for, for yearly targets or five yearly targets? I mean, because I am depressed by the idea yeah. that that you've got a ten year target for you know for reducing. By 20%?
2: I think from a company's point of view, if you look at the biggest um, um, fast consumer goods company, they all have targets within the 2025 20, 2030 timeframe, um, which seems good. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, um, especially when they, the statement is about, okay our products packaging needs to be 100% recyclable, reusable uh, or compostable. Um, and then that's where I see opportunities for a company like TerraCycle and Loop Project is there is uh, there are strong targets now that are publicly available and strong statement from these companies. Now is how we can also help them get there. And that's why I think it's about also seeing what initiatives uh, and investing, as you just mentioned, in in the right projects uh, with a positive impact. Um, So I don't want to say it's too late because I still want to be optimistic, but I agree there is a matter of urgency, Uh, but we can't ask companies to change the entire supply chains to be 100% durable in two years. That's not realistic. so, but also we, we see differences in, um, in, in countries and markets, um, as we work in, in 21 markets across the globe and, and 12 in Europe. Um, what I really saw here in the UK is uh, following the blue planet and following really the consumer and citizen uh, awareness movement. I saw companies moving more quickly on you know, the market so consumer is pressure is really, really good really, really important good, for really driving important. that chain
0: yeah and are there any other countries that are better than us I mean are we where are we in the kind of you know the global rankings in terms of what we're doing both both as consumers and as, as legislators
2: so it really depends which indicators you look at uh, if you look at recycling for example within Europe we are average um, you look at markets when we talk about reuse, um, deposit schemes in Germany, Norway, Sweden have very good results in terms of PT recycling, for example. So um, that's all, always um, that's always been an area where I thought we, we should have done that. We should have what we should, should have, have stopped the deposit scheme. Oh, so schemes, so yeah. putting yeah. a deposit yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then you get a financial incentive as a consumer, or it goes to the, the purchase of your next product, for example. Um, so i would say in terms of um uh citizen empowerment i'm very impressed and i think it's you know it's great to see people saying like enough i want to change i'm going to write a letter to this company and companies actually make changes now so they're really decent to, the, to their to their consumers so yeah the
0: the the the, the crisp packet incident mm. was a classic wasn't it so you were involved in some of those um, some yes. of that because crisp packets are, are are unrecyclable at the moment, aren't they? they you are, cannot yeah. recycle them. And Am I right in thinking that people were actually posting crisp packets back to a particular crisp manufacturer? (laughs) Yeah, They they were. were. Um, So what do you do with them? Because you mentioned them as something that you can take on as TerraCycle. Where where do they go? What
1: happens to them? So
2: um, the first step is to collect them. So we create a network of uh, public locations that are run by consumers, volunteers, just as you and me. Um, So if you go to our website you will find a map where you can see the the public drop-off, which is uh, the nearest to your location you can also create your own and administrate it uh, and become a TerraCycle ambassador Um, so then you've been given uh, a box or you can reuse any box you have available in your home you start collecting then you get a prepaid shipping label everything is sent back to our warehouses and then we sort all the crisp bags um, we aggregate the material and then we work with strategic recycling partners to uh, recycle the crisp bags so for example with crisp bags we'll shred the material wash the material and then it will be turned into pellets that can be mixed with other recycled uh, plastics to make products such as uh, plastic lumber so um, outdoor furniture um, uh, flower pots and how many how
0: many crisps packet recycling centres have you got across the UK? We
2: have, um, we have a few thousands now so um, you can see on the map they are spread over the country uh, and we keep adding more. Because this would be uh, ideal
0: for schools for example. We have, we, lots, you know, of people have people lots of school partic- schools
2: doing participating this. in, in yeah. our programmes uh, so more than 50% of all the collection location across all types of programmes are schools um, and they are very great ambassadors because uh Kids are just the best when it comes to, um, you know, messaging about the importance of recycling. So we see a lot of kids going back to their parents and be like, oh, yeah, we, we're collecting pens at school. Uh, we speak or workers crisp back. And, and then they start collecting in their home as well and bring back to school. And um, and yeah, and, and I think that's where we have to play a role in education and uh,
0: behavioral change as well. Um, yeah. Have we got enough recycling facilities? Because, I mean, there's been some statistics out recently, how that while we all merrily collect this stuff, it doesn't actually go anywhere because you mentioned China. We're running out of places to actually recycle
1: the plastic anyway,
0: aren't we? So how good we are at collecting it? It's just ending up in a landfill.
1: And I think that's a problem at through the local authority level when they're collecting domestic recycling as well. Part of the issue is that um, if it's not super sorted and super clean it's contaminated, nobody wants it, it's not great value stuff, so I think a huge amount of in- investment is needed in the UK's recycling infrastructure, so that there is that outlet for these things, which they're not going to go away, we're not going to suddenly you know, get rid of it, it's, it's, it a wasteless society is, is, is an ambition, but, but in the short term we absolutely need to sort out the recycling sub- infrastructure in this country so that we're not shipping our uh, plastic waste off, off elsewhere um, and and I think we need to make it much clearer um, to consumers what can be recycled where. There's all these different authorities having different mm. collections. Do you put it in a wheelie bin? Do you have to separate this from that? Mm. It's different when you're out in the streets, when you're in the home. Pe- pe- even people with, with who are very concerned, which is obviously a minority, but they're a growing minority, get confused about what can go where. Um, The majority of people spend less than three seconds deciding which bin they're going to drop something into, and that's if they're bothering to use a bin at all. You know, I think we have a huge amount of work to do um, at the government level to drastically simplify the recycling system in the country, you know, for for individuals at home using their domestic recycling as well as on the street, you know, so that so that we can collect and sort these things, which can have a value if they are recycled and collected properly. Um, so, yes, I think there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done, mm. both in terms of, of, of sorting out the, the, the collection systems to make it simple um, and clear for consumers to use, but also so that there is that actual outlet mm. um, and yeah. infrastructure there.
2: I think uh, definitely agree with the infrastructure, and I think there is also something to do with the, um, the outlets. So making sure companies are actually going to buy recycled yeah. Materials and recycled plastic.
0: Yeah, plastics. because plastic is, is 90% made from fossil fuels, isn't it? 90% exactly. of it is virgin, virgin plastic. is. Fossil I fuels. mean,
2: a very easy um, solution would just be, you know, if the, the price of oil was going up, uh, virgin oil was going up, um, that would really push companies to reuse more yeah. recycled content. But yeah. that's, that's really the problem. It's a... So the way we we, we use, uh, we work with companies on on more the the recycled content within the packaging in the first place is that we help them communicating um, to their consumers, better or in a different way because you're right um, we, we mentioned that earlier when you are in a, at a retailer and you look at products and they're all made of plastics but you don't know you read recycled PET you don't really know what it means as a consumer yeah, I mean we all know numbers, because we, we yeah um, so, so one project we, we were on last year and still going on um, was a work we've done on ocean plastics and mm-hmm. beach plastics uh, where we have Uh, procter and gamble to integrate more uh, recycled content coming from plastic uh, collected in rivers and oceans all across europe first uk and now across uh, the world and um, it was quite powerful to see the impact on people perception of the products because you know Beach plastic is, we're not going to turn all the products uh, into beach plastic products because obviously it has a cost to collect, to recycle, it has technical challenges and so on. But just communicating and saying, hey, uh, this bottle is made from beach plastics, people it's very tangible for people because mm-hmm. they all go on holiday, they go to the, the beach and they actually see the plastic now. Um, so as a consumer, make a choice, choose a product that is helping solving the issue. Um, but the big commitment from this company, well, not only about the beach plastic, which is, okay, small scale, is about their commitment about how much recycled plastic coming from standard sources they're go-
1: we're going to put in, in all their products. I yeah. think that's where government could really come in and set some mm-hmm. kind of minimum proportion mm-hmm. of, of new, I don't know, PET mm-hmm. plastic water bottles that should be from mm-hmm. recycled uh, plastic to really drive the market, and I think you're absolutely right. There needs to be that that sort of end goal. The higher the value, you know, if if companies are forced to to include more recycled content in their material, that will push up the value of the recycled plastic, and, and therefore put more mm. money into the system yeah. to recycle As, it. In
0: reality, I mean, we're not falling out of love with plastic, are we? I mean, you know, the the, the end of the affair is <laughs> not within sight, though. I think we are actually on that on that road, aren't we? And I suppose that the issue is. If, it's it's re if you like it's recalibrating that relationship with plastic isn't it i mean your point about you know if you see something that's made of recycled plastic and it's recycled beach plastic then you know that's come out of the ocean and actually you're trying to undo the damage that we've done by letting it get into the ocean in the first place but that's the point we've got to stop it getting into the oceans in the first place haven't we and and i and and you know i think that we're, we're in agreement what we need now is both legislation and more pressure on large organisations and that can be bottom-up consumer pressure which is us Mm -hmm. and it can be top-down pressure but ultimately it's economics isn't it so when it's economically viable to do so they'll do but by then we might have drowned in a sea (laughs) of plastic so so yes so sadly the affair is not over but I mean I know this is a subject that we'll come back to again and again on the pod Um, if people are interested in that million pound fund they need to get in touch with Hubbub
1: maybe um, the answer
0: is about yeah you the know. website
1: is com. that's where all the information is okay and
0: I guess we should have a shout out to Waitrose for using that million pounds sensibly to, to support to support um, plastic initiative or end of plastic initiatives and TerraCycle Um, I I know we haven't got time to go into all of this but I know you also do things around contact lenses don't you
2: Yes, which is fabulous so if you're a contact
0: lens wearer and you don't know what to do with your your disposables
2: yeah, go to TerraCycle.co.uk and find uh, the recycling program for the waste stream of your choice you can join several programs um, and then a bit later on uh, after the summer you will also be able to access the loop platform and switch from a disposable lifestyle to a durable lifestyle switch from a disposable to
0: a durable so don't eradicate plastic just it's the right kind of plastic so uh thank you both so much for, for joining us today and we'll put all of those details on the planet pod website so you can find out more about um where to recycle your plastic crisp packets um and get your school involved if you happen to be listening from a school so you've been listening to planet pod with me amanda carpenter a huge thank you to my guests law and saskia and let's fall out of love with plastic soon Thank you to my guests and thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you about what you think about Planet Pod. You can tweet at planet underscore pod or get in touch via the website theplanetpod.com where you can subscribe and download previous episodes. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give us a five-star review. It helps us make better programmes. Be sustainable and stay green. Planet Pod is an Akil Sounds production hosted by me, Amanda Carpenter, edited and produced by Jim Haywood, with additional research by Beth Palmer.